I hear a lot of people's reasons for not flying, for using single-use plastic, for leaving the air conditioner on when they're not home. I know these reasons not just because people told them to me. I know them also because I'm human and we all think similarly. When I want something that pollutes, I feel my mind justifying why getting it should be okay, just like anybody else. It took me years of training my mind to resist that knee-jerk thinking and to consider not just what I get from, say, flying or using the air conditioner, but how my actions affect others, also known as responsibility in the golden rule. Most reasons I hear for flying, for polluting, for plastic, things like family, work, everyone does it, what I do won't make a difference, I don't know how to change. I got to tell you, all of those reasons, or a lot of those reasons, they sound like they would justify slavery by a slave owner before the Civil War. Think about it yourself. Imagine yourself in Alabama or some slave-owning state in 1850. Imagine you were born and raised there, that you're white, that every white you've ever met and everyone within several hundred miles feels the same way, that every black you've known has been a slave and you were taught that the Bible said that it should be that way. Would you free your slaves? I've done a whole episode on this question and I recommend listening to it, but briefly, if not, why not? Do your reasons for continuing to own slaves sound like the reasons people give for continuing to pollute? Or if you would free your slaves then, that would be a very difficult thing to do. I mean, you couldn't stay there. You'd probably lose your farm. You'd probably, I mean, you wouldn't be able to compete with people who had, I don't know how else to put it, free labor. If you would free your slaves then, would you also consider never using bottled water again? It seems to me a lot easier to give up bottled water than to give up slaves back then. In any case, that's not my point for today. Today, I want to point out that empathizing with people who fly and litter, because I can, that is, I can think things like, oh, it's just too much work to walk. I deserve to take a taxi, even though it's just a few blocks. My mind makes me think the same things. Empathizing with situations like that, empathizing with people in situations like that, helps me understand why slavery endured for so long and why people come up with such obviously self-justifying specious arguments like the white man's burden or that slaves like slavery. See, we feel like and we often believe that we use logic to come up with reasons for doing things. We think that we come up with some reasons for something and then do it. When someone says, why do you do X? We often say, because, and then we give some logical reason for it. But that's not how our minds work. And if you pay attention very closely to your mind, you'll see that that's not how it works. Our ancestors made choices. When I say ancestors, I mean millions of years ago. I mean, dogs make choices. We, our ancestors, we evolved to make choices before we evolved reason. Reason is something very late to the game in terms of what our minds are able to do. We choose first based on our guts. We decide what we want to do. And then after making that choice, we back rationalize those choices so that we feel better about ourselves. Pay attention next time you make a choice. You'll probably find, I believe that you'll find, maybe, I mean, I only know how my mind works, but I tend to want something and then I justify why I should, why it's right, why I deserve it. And it's in that order. First you choose, then you come up with that rationalization. And when someone asks you, why did you do that? We generally give the rationalization, but that actually came after the choice. In other words, the quote reasons we claim to use to justify our behavior, to fly or to say own slaves, knowing that we're causing helpless, innocent people to suffer. They aren't reasons. They aren't why we did it. They're rationalizations after the choice. The actual motivation comes from, I feel like it. It's a feeling. And the rationalization is usually to preserve ourselves from feeling bad, like facing how much we're violating the golden rule or that we're not working hard to change systems that we claim victimize us or lying to say that we have no choice but to fly or to continue owning and beating slaves. I don't mean to be too graphic, but it's the process of how the mind works that I want to get at. I'm not trying to equate different things. 
The upside to all this is that we can change those feelings. Not only can we, doing so is, I believe, possibly, maybe is, the greatest skill to improve our lives. It's what Viktor Frankl did to feel bliss and love amid Nazis torturing him in Auschwitz. It's what leads us to prefer broccoli to Doritos. We used to like Doritos more. Now, I hope so. Those of us who have gotten out of the, what's it called? The gooey phase? The yummy phase. Probably prefer broccoli to Doritos. It's how I feel closer to nature when I'm picking up other people's garbage. If you don't know, I pick up at least one piece of garbage per day and put it in the trash. And I feel closer to nature picking up other people's garbage. And I feel cleaner, despite that I'm actually touching plastic, which is not particularly what most people would not call natural. And I'm picking it up off the ground, which a lot of people would call dirty. But I feel cleaner because I can change how I feel with respect to something. It's why people who party all weekend don't regret leaving that life behind when they have a baby. They want to become parents and they become parents and they take responsibility. We love and cherish helping the helpless. We as humans, we as humans love and cherish being part of something greater than ourselves. We love and cherish achieving through determined effort more than feeling entitled. We love and cherish responsibility over blame. That's been my experience at least. And yes, the transition from having fun partying and not thinking about how what we do affects others to taking responsibility for how our behavior affects others, that transition can be hard. It was as hard for me as anyone. Well, each step wasn't that hard. Overall, they were hard. But what I'm thinking of each step is like to avoid packaged food. I mean, come to think of it, I thought each step would be hard, and I prepared before doing each step for a really big challenge. But each change wasn't really that hard. I mean, I guess in the moment it felt hard. But looking back now, the biggest thing I feel is that I wish I'd done all those changes earlier. Now, taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others, actually taking responsibility for your emotional response and your behavioral response means that for the rest of your life, you'll never have an easy answer about pollution. I mean, pollution is inevitable. There's nothing you can do to stop polluting in some sense. But when you take responsibility, you lose the ability to say, I had no choice. On the flip side, though, you gain choice. By taking responsibility, you have the ability to choose for yourself. You gain compassion for helpless living creatures. You gain meaning and purpose and passion, just like Viktor Frankl did. Yes, you have those things already, but now you'll have them in an area of global importance in the environment. Now, I've taken a leadership role. I'm at least trying. I believe that I'm leading people to act on their values for values that we all share, for clean air, clean water, clean land. I'm also leading people to take responsibility for their actions, even if nobody else does. Even if no one else changes, I believe that your life will be better off if you take responsibility for living by your values. I'm leading people to find the joy in doing so. It's not the burden that you expect. It's a release from a burden. It's a release from guilt. That's been my experience. and I believe there's nothing special about me in this area. That for everyone, once you act, you will feel the burden going away. You will feel the, if you have feelings of guilt or expect you might, they'll go away. Now, you don't have to do these things. But now that you've heard me, what I've done, and how I've faced similar challenges to what you're facing, I took them on, I lived through it, and I tell you that it's not nearly the chore that you expect. But more importantly, I believe that you will love the experience and the result. I did, and I'm, I really don't think there's anything special about me. I don't love vegetables more than anybody else. I really loved traveling before. And if there were magical planes that could fly without exhaust, I would probably take one. Even so, I still feel like flying separates and disperses communities. But in any case, you can never go back to forgetting that you are not helpless. You can act. It's not as hard as you think. And you can stop aligning with, sorry to say it bluntly, but you can stop aligning with slave owners. History has not been kind to slave owners, even ones who just did what everyone around them did. We know that nobody would want to be a slave. Likewise, we know that nobody wants pollution. 
We take down slave owner statues from campuses, from parks. We remove their names from buildings. And if we are able to save human society, which is not guaranteed from all the climate changes and the pollutions and so forth, future generations will laud the people who said no to pollution even when they didn't have to, as we laud today Rosa Parks. And they will curse those who claim victimhood, saying, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help polluting. As Martin Luther King lamented the feckless moderates who said, wait, if you read Letter from Birmingham Jail. We have waited generations since learning the consequences of the behavior that you and I justify, that is, we've put off acting on global warming and all the other things that decrease Earth's ability to sustain life and human society, with the same justifications that justify slavery. Keeping waiting will lead to worldwide results that make our civil war look like a walk in the park, not a matter of simply turning on the air conditioner because it's a little too warm. That's not what global warming means, or getting by with a little bit less. It means a lot more. The alternative to something that would make the Civil War look like a walk in the park, is to do what most of us would hope a Southern slaveholder would do in the South, pre-Civil War. It's ridiculously hard to swim upstream. It's hard. It's hard to forego pleasures and easy things when everyone around you is not foregoing. But what do you think is right, not in other people's opinion, for yourself, regarding single-use plastic, eating more meat than nearly anyone in history, air conditioning your home when you're out? You know all the things that you could do. Acting on those by what you feel is right, even if nobody else is. That's the future.